clip. Um, it's a movie called Coach Carter and a uh, team that's sort of from, a, a, I suppose, a troubled sort of area. And so basically the coach sort of says, you've not only got to play basketball well, you've got to, you've got to engage in school. And so he had some expectations for the, the players that they had to reach certain levels in their grades. Otherwise, they had to do more um training work and so you you sort of saw his reports came back that he hadn't done enough and he had to do so many suicides and so many push-ups now suicides um we used to, when i used to play basketball we called them court sprints and so basically basketball courts um have a lot of lines on them um just to divide up the court and so you'd have to run out to every solid line and touch it and run back to the baseline and touch it and then keep going and so you often had to run like about four different times up the court and then come back, that was one suicide. So if you had to do 10, it was quite a bit of running. If you had to do 100, it was quite a bit of running. And you saw the young man who was already worn out. You could see that he was trying to make up for something else he had done wrong. And he was, he was already done. He was spent. He had nothing left. And when the coach said, you need to do this before you play tomorrow, basically they will say, there's no chance you're going to play tomorrow. And all of a sudden, his team says, well, do you know what? We'll do some of it with you. And all of a sudden, there is an opportunity. There's a spark of hope. There's a change of momentum that sees this kid be able to go, do you know what? I'll do what I can. But because my team is coming as well, it's going to see me through so that I'll be on the court tomorrow with the rest of the team. Now, speaking about momentum, there was, when I was growing up in high school, I rode to school most days, and um, it was only about 4Ks. It wasn't the distance that was the killer, but basically where my parents still live today is sort of on the top of one sort of mountain, and my school was on the top of another one, and there was no bridge across. It was down and up, and going to school wasn't as bad because um, to go, go, to go to school, it was quite a steep hill to begin with. And then you go across this set of lights and then I'm sort of like a, a, sort of a slow sort of, sort of, um, build up to where I got to the school. So there was places that were leveled out and you sort of could keep a reasonable speed going up. On the way home, however, it sort of, it, it sort of was a little bit steep and then it sort of picked up again for about oh, 200 meters. And the thing is, if you've got good speed coming down from school and you go around this little corner and you could get like most of the way up before you even had this sort of get up and you stand on your legs and ride up that last little bit. And once you got over that hill, it was sort of a little uphill, but it wasn't much. Once you'd passed that, you sort of had accomplished the most of it. The, the hardest thing though was as you came down from school and you sort of went around up into this, there was a set of lights right at the top of this little hill. And if you got the lights there, it took away all momentum. And so sometimes you'd be flying down this hill and you see it's green, and stay green, stay green, stay green, oh no, it's orange, it's red. And you would dread the next moment because as soon as it'd go um, green again, you were starting from scratch. And there was no way your momentum would build going up that hill as it got steeper and steeper and steeper. Um, so you always there's there's always something that can affect your momentum. And today we're going to be talking about momentum in regards to rebuilding our momentum when it comes to our obedience to God, when it comes to our our ministry efforts, when it comes to um like all aspects of our faith because momentum is one of those things that it it builds everything around it. 
So if you've got good momentum, like even doing the housework, you get up in the morning and you've got a list of jobs, you get the first one done, the second one done, and everything goes to plan. All of a sudden you get to lunchtime and go, all my chores are done, I can sit around and do nothing. Or you can get up in the morning and the first chore is packed the dishwasher and the dishwasher is broken. That means I've got to wash everything up. And, and all of a sudden something else happens and something else happens and someone rings, someone drops in and your momentum is robbed from you and all of a sudden it struggles to happen. So momentum is a good thing to have and it's a bad thing when it sort of, it seems to be pushing back against us. And so I want to talk about um, the passage that Alison read. There's actually a little bit more of the story we've jumped over. So for those who have been with us for this rebuild series, in chapter one we, we talked about uh, Nehemiah and how he heard that the walls and the, te- uh, the temple gates were in, in ruins around Jerusalem. And he's gone to the king, he asked the king, and he rebuilds his faith in, in asking the king. And then last, last time we, we spoke about this at the end of chapter 2, we see that Nehemiah rode around the city and, it, and the walls were in ruins everywhere. And he's come back and he's shared with the people saying, this is what God has done so far, we are going to rebuild the walls. And the people said, yes, we are, we're going to do that. That captured the vision that was on Nehemiah's heart. And so there's already a bit of excitement there. There's a bit of momentum there. And what we see, and we're not going to spend too much time on it today, but um, because what we need to realise is that momentum makes everything easier. Just in the same way, if I'm rolling down that hill on my bike and I start going uphill, if I've got good speed going up, it makes going up the hill a lot easier. But if I've stopped and have to start from scratch, it becomes hard work. It doesn't change the hill at all. The hill stays the same. But momentum makes it easier. And so in chapter 3, what we see is all of a sudden, all the people of Israel, uh, or of, of Judah, I mean, basically start to build the wall. They actually start building the wall all around the city. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses from um, chapter 3, verses 28 and 29, just to give you perspective, because this is kind of repeats itself all over and over again. And it says, Above the horse gate, the priest made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Emma, made repairs opposite to his house. So basically what happened, people were living in the city, and so what they did, they got up in the morning and they went, I'm going to repair the wall in front of me. But because everyone was doing it, all of a sudden the wall was getting built all around the city. Everyone got involved. And through chapter 3, people are mentioned by name. There was priests, there was tradesmen, there were ordinary people all involved. They all repaired the wall in front of them. That becomes an important principle when it comes to momentum and, and I suppose even serving God. Sometimes we just need to do what's in front of us. They saw and they heard of the wall being repaired around the city, which kept the momentum going. All of a sudden you've got the people next door and they've built one layer and you've built one layer and those people built one layer and, you, and word comes around, hey, this is what it looks around the whole city and then all of a sudden you're two layers, three layers, four layers and all of a sudden they're hearing that, hey, we're actually doing this, guys. It's not just us over here. Everyone is doing this and all the city is being, the walls are being repaired. John Maxwell shares about momentum a lot and he says, momentum is the great exaggerator. He says, momentum will exaggerate the effort that you put in. It multiplies what you're doing. So if you've, if you've got momentum and you put in a good amount of effort, it multiplies it. But if there's no momentum and you put the same amount of effort in, you might go, oh, why, why didn't it work as well this time? He also says, momentum makes leaders look better than they are. I'm going, well, we need some momentum then, don't we? So I, I, I want to look better than I am. But it also helps those following to perform better. 
So momentum has like this impact for, for the, the people of Judah because all of a sudden Nehemiah says, let's build the wall. Everyone has got involved, including Nehemiah, including the guards that have come with him. They are all doing their bit. And all of a sudden that excitement and that energy that's surrounding that keeps it going. It keeps it happening. And then we actually get to Nehemiah 4.6 and it says, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm. They'd got to halfway. Now again, what you need to realise, because some of you are probably realising they've spent a day working outside, moving some bricks around, and they've got a nice little wall. This Okay, this was a city wall to keep enemies out. So when it's saying at full height, it's going to be well and truly over the height of, of any person. So even half height would be well and truly over any person. So it was going up. They would have had scaffolding up. I'm not sure what their workplace health and safety would have been like, but they would have been working hard to get to that point. And the enthusiasm has kept them going. But the problem with momentum, well, not the problem with momentum, what can happen to momentum is that there can be momentum killers. There can be things that actually rob the energy out of the momentum and how it's moving. And so from what Alison read, we actually see that beginning because all of a sudden, and even just before uh, verse 6, what happened as the, as the people of Judah are building the wall, these foreign people that have significant power in the area and do not want Judah to be independent again. They want to be able to lord it over uh, Jerusalem. And so they start, initially, they just start mocking them. As they're moving the rocks into place, they're going, oh, if a fox, this is what one of them said, if a fox jumped on that wall, it'd fall over. Now, I've probably seen some people that build that way, um, that something jumped on it, it would fall over. Um, and you don't really want that to happen too often. But the thing is, so there was already something beginning to attack the momentum. And for us, momentum can be, we can lose momentum through losing focus. Um, our past can actually affect our momentum in the present. Apathy. Sometimes apathy comes out of being weary and, and worn out or just lack of vision on things. Feeling alone in the work. You imagine if, you, if you're one of the people in Judah and you were building, building your part of the wall and doing it so well, but the people next to you and the people next to them and, and not so on weren't doing a very good job at all. They're only working every hour, one hour every afternoon and you're working all day. Would you be motivated to go on? So sometimes feeling alone in the work can, can um, um, rob you of momentum. Or it can be a lack of direction or action. All of a sudden, yeah, you're looking around going, oh, I'm not sure what we need to do next. We'll just like um, maybe working for the council going, it must be time for smoko. Like going, we've got no one's telling us what to do, so we'll just sit down and do nothing. So momentum, you can take a hit, you can take a detour, you can have weights that are dragging on, on your momentum. So again, when you think about it, like those those um, sort of jet cars that fly down the dragways, they have good momentum. And what happens at the end of the race? Parachute comes out to be a weight and a drag to stop the momentum. That's good for them. But for us, when we're moving with godly momentum and something actually becomes a weight on us, it drags us and slows us to the point we may even stop. Even distractions, and distractions come in a range of different things. Distraction could be being too busy. And this becomes a trap when it comes to momentum because sometimes people who are busy think they're being effective. 
And so you can be busy doing stuff from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you put your head on the pillow and go, oh, that was a good day. Look how much I got done. But again, it may not be stuff that's actually moving you forward. And it's really easy to fill our life with, with things and things that we're doing that may not be things that bring um, focus and momentum. Um, we can have bad distract- distractions. Okay, not going to spend too much time, but if we've got sin in our life, it makes it really hard to obey God because you're sort of wanting to dabble in the sin and God is pulling you this way and, and there is a tension in your life. And you can't race with God when something is weighing you down. When you've got a heavy heart or a, a, a bitter mind, you, you can't sort of race with God the way he wants. And in Nehemiah verses four, um, um, of, of chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says, When Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Amorites and Ashadites heard that the work was going ahead and the gaps in the wall were being repaired. So they actually saw the momentum. They saw it working. They saw the wall coming together. They were furious and they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. So basically, this is Nehemiah speaking, saying, these guys actually made threats against us. Now, all of a sudden, that does start to panic people. Okay, all of a sudden, we're doing a really great job. And, and again, maybe we can, someone sort of says, oh, you didn't do a very good job with that, and we can, that's water off a duck's back. But maybe when they start to say, hey, well, you guys are doing the wrong thing, or, uh, or maybe that, whatever attack that comes, it just takes the wind out of your sail. Have you ever had that thing where you've, you've felt like you've done such a great job and someone's just made that comment that hasn't helped them move forward? It's actually kind of all of a sudden you're sailing along and you go, oh. That's what um, these, these enemies of, of Jerusalem were trying to do. They were trying to take the wind out of the sails. And it began to work because we see in verse 10, then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. There's so much rubble to be moved. We'll never be able to build a wall by ourselves. So to begin with, what we see is there's been a great vision Nehemiah has presented. There was more rubble to begin with. Wouldn't you agree? There was more rubble there at the beginning and they didn't see it at that point in time. They believed in the vision that Nehemiah had received from God. They, weren't, they didn't see the problem that was in front of them or they, they looked past the problem into the solution. Here they are, they've received a bit of an attack and what they have happened is that, do you know what? I don't know if we can keep going. We're tired. We, we just, it's too much, too much of a job to do. They've forgotten they've actually built half of the wall already. They're halfway. They're already, they've already made significant strides and yet the attack of those enemies all of a sudden has started to make them feel like, oh, let's take our foot off the accelerator. Maybe we should stop. Maybe we should give up. And so that becomes a major momentum killer. And sometimes momentum killers can actually, it doesn't just slow us, it can stop us in our tracks. And I, and I think part of the problem with that, when we're going so well with something and then it stops so abruptly, it could be a, a betrayal in a relationship, it could be a health issue that comes up in your life, it could be, um, yeah, COVID hits. COVID was a major momentum killer this year. The day before we, we kind of shut down from church, we had people in this church who were seeking, who were questioning faith. They were looking at, to Jesus for answers. And all of a sudden we shut our doors for three months. 
So the problem is, is what do we do to restart our momentum? Because the thing is, it is easy to go, do you know what? This year has been terrible. We could say all manner of horrible things. I said to someone even just yesterday, I can't wait till this is all behind us. Because it's just all those little things extra that we need to do all the time. And the thing is, we can live there and just sort of sit on our hands and go, we'll wait for this to get better and then life will go back to normal. No, it won't go back to normal. We need to restart momentum. We need to get things going again. We need to sort of start moving in the right direction. Just like the Israelites have been attacked here, they needed to do something, otherwise they were going to get to the point where the wall remained unbuilt. And the thing is, when things remain undone, they actually go backwards. If you've got an incomplete wall, it'll probably start to crumble. If it hasn't been finished and sealed and all those things that need to happen, all of a sudden it would start to crumble and it would go back to what it was before Nehemiah got there. So you can see this is a dangerous point for them. If they don't keep going forward, it's going to end up badly for them. So how do we restart our momentum? Well, what we need to realise is that momentum can be hard to restart. And I think this is... I think this is why we, we, we struggle at times to, to initiate things. We leave it for tomorrow because it's too hard for today. But what we need to realise is that it is, it is hard to restart. We just can't get really, really excited and go, we're going to do this thing and just run out and do it. Uh, the example I'll use, if you have not been to the gym for 12 years and all of a sudden you go, do you know what? I'm going to run a marathon. I'm really pumped. I watched it on TV today. I'm really excited. I'm going to go do 10Ks at the gym tomorrow. Not 40, I'm just going to do 10. I'm not silly. After 1K, your body's starting to complain a bit. After 2Ks, your lungs are starting to complain a bit. After 3Ks, you're hearing this siren noise above your head. All of a sudden, because you put all this energy into starting quickly, but you are not ready for it. When it comes to momentum, it does need this slow, intentional beginning to get the ball rolling. It doesn't begin quickly. And if we start too fast, what often it reinforces the fact that we can't do it. We can't do it. It's just too hard. Okay, so if you wanted to push a car, or maybe push start a car, would you take a long run up and run 100 metres full speed into the car to get it going? Uh, if anyone said yes, I've got to... I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to say anything good about you right now. But, but the thing is, you imagine you're running... Flat, flat out as fast as you can. Now, for some of that may not be that fast, but you're running as fast as you can and the car is stationary. You think, if I hit this car at full speed, it will move the way I want it to. And we all know the answer to how yeah, you'll bounce off that car. But if we take the handbrake off, if we get behind the car and we take one step and we start to push that car, it will start moving in the direction you want. And you can get to the point, you can start moving a car fast enough that you can jump start it. Or you get it over a hill and down a hill and whatever you want to do, you can, but it starts slowly, doesn't it? We need to remember with momentum, um, it starts slowly. One of the important things to note about momentum though is that if it's already going, keep it going. Don't let it come to a stop because it's actually easier to steer momentum rather than get it started again. And again, just thinking back to when I was, when I was a child, um, anyone ever been to a, a pool and you made one of those big whirlpools? You, you, basically, when you start out, depending on how many people you got there, you start going around the outside of the pool 
and it's slow to begin with and you get more people involved and you keep going around and to the point it's going fast enough that you can actually lift your feet off and the momentum takes you with it for a change. And that's the beauty about momentum. When we are at a place where we are moving in flow with God, what God wants us to, and we are moving as God um, has called us to be, sometimes the momentum will carry us on at times when we, we just can't go on ourselves. So, real, real, I suppose that sort of said that reality. Momentum is, takes a while to get started. But first, the first thing we need to realize is that momentum begins with vision. It begins with vision. We actually spoke about vision two weeks ago, but here's Nehemiah again in verse 14. He says, Then as I looked over the situation, so basically the people are saying, Do you know what? We're ready to give up. Look at all the work we've done, and we still can't see ourselves finishing this. And he said, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. So where does he point them? He points them back to God. Because to Nehemiah basically said, hey, I've been and checked out the city. I want to rebuild the wall. Look at what God has done to get us to this point. And then they start to build the wall. They're halfway through. They start to get doubts. They start to slow down. Nehemiah says, let's look to God again. Let's get our vision right. Because when your vision is right, it gives you reason to keep going. Because a vision doesn't ignore the problems, as we talked about two weeks ago, but it looks past them. It looks in a way that you can overcome them. And so momentum begins with vision. Vision begins with faith, and faith begins in relationship with Jesus. We've talked about this over, over the past month. This is why these steps are so important, because if you try and build momentum, godly momentum, without knowing Jesus, it's going to be like running into that car flat strap. Because you are not doing what you're meant to be doing. So in your relationship with Jesus, your faith will grow, your vision will grow, and all of a sudden your momentum will start to grow. And the the really important thing about getting momentum to start, it it starts in taking the first step. We can talk about getting things going. We can plan for it. We can like get people excited. But if people aren't willing to take that first step, and usually that first step is involved with a choice, if we don't want to choose what God wants for us, if we go, God, I'm waiting for your, your, the better offer, if I'm waiting for what is easier, yeah, you're wanting me to go up that hill, I'm waiting for something that's going down the hill. Get me on the way back down, I'll be ready for you then, God. But God says, no, no, I'm going to call you to do this. I'm going to leave you with that choice. And in that choice, we take that first step in that direction. And that can be in a whole lot of different things. That could be planning a new church. That could be going on a mission trip. That could be going overseas as a missionary. It could be walking next door to talk to your friends about Christ. It could be giving away money that you don't think you've got spare, but you've got to make that choice because God has called you to do it. It might be actually saying, do you know what? I need more momentum in my relationship with Jesus. And so I'm choosing to get up half an hour earlier in the morning to spend a bit of extra time with him. Or I'm choosing to turn the TV off so I can read my Bible for longer. See how that choice affects your action? But it's got to be a first step. There are so many times people like New Year's Eve is that perfect time for people to go, oh, this is my intention for the year. And instead of actually following through on that, they go, oh, no, January 2, yeah, that failed. Let's go back to what I was doing last year. 
It takes the first step. It's followed by a second step and a third step. But if we get to the point we're trying to go, oh, I've got to take 100 steps, it's too hard, we will never begin. So this is what Nehemiah did in verse 13. So basically the people were afraid. The people were doubting they were ready to give up. And so Nehemiah did this. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas and I stationed people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears and bows. So the people were afraid of getting attacked. And again, when I say afraid, it probably was a reality for that to happen. These guys would have come in with force if they had a chance. And so what Nehemiah did, he made it obvious for not only the enemies, but also for the people working, that you guys are protected. All of a sudden, their doubts sort of are allayed. They all of a sudden, hey, we can keep on working. Nehemiah's got our back. By one simple thing, they were able to keep that momentum going. So momentum starts in taking the first step. But what we need to realise is that momentum is a change maker. As I said before, momentum is, is the great exaggerator. It is able, enables us to do more than we can possibly imagine at times. And in Nehemiah 4.15 it says, When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to, wa- uh, to the war, each to our own work. So all of a sudden... The momentum was slowing. Nehemiah made a simple step to to steer that momentum, to change it, and all of a sudden the people went back to work just as hard as they did before. The enemy knew they'd lost that battle and they were frustrated, but the people kept on working. And so we need to realise that momentum can make a huge impact and so we've got to work to get it going and to see that impact, impact grow. Now, Momentum is a change maker, but this is one thing that's really important when it comes to momentum, especially in the life of a church. More hands improve momentum. I don't know if you've ever had to push something really big up a hill or carry something up a set of stairs. Sometimes, like, you can do it, but it is difficult. Like, um, I, I don't know, have you, ever, you guys ever had one of those giant earth balls that you push around and, like, sort of it's sort of a group building activity? And the thing is, if you go, again, if you go to push it by yourself, you can get it moving and it's slow. But if you get a group of people all pushing it at the same time, all of a sudden it starts to run away from you. And the more people you get involved, the better it gets. And so going back to chapter 3, what we see is that all the people of Judah, they all got involved. And what did they do? They did what was right in front of them. They did what was right in front of them. Now... Do you think if God puts an opportunity right in front of you, just right in front of you, he wasn't asking you to go sort of save people in, 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 in New Zealand or other places, just right in front of you. It could be something, God, God brings someone right in front of you to share your faith with. Do you think you'd be able to do that? Now, now see, some of you are looking at me like a bit concerned, going, if I commit, commit to this, God's going to bring something my way today. He could. But this is the thing, if we all did what was right in front of us, if we all reached out, and we'll use evangelism as that example, if we all reached out to the person who was right in front of us, the person that we cared about, the person that was already on our hearts right now, it, it would make an impact, wouldn't it? it would, and again, if, if say 10% of them, like so we've got, let's say 40 people here, so say 40 of us all share our faith this week and 10% of those come to Christ, that's four people. And then we all do it the next week. That'll actually be four and a bit people. And it keeps building and keeps building. And all of a sudden, people start coming this way to hear about Jesus because why people, not only the people that have come to faith, 
the people that have been sitting here for a while, all of a sudden are excited about what God can do in transforming lives. Because at the moment, we believe it up here. We believe that God can change this world. Who believes that God can do that? Yeah, we, we believe it, but then we kind of go, we don't really want to go build the wall. We don't want to put the effort in. And so we actually need to build that momentum. We, we, everyone did their bit. And even in that story, as you read chapter through, there's a verse, I can't remember. There was one group that went, do you know what? We can do a little bit more. So they did what was in front of them and then a little bit more. So sometimes God will say, hey, I want you to do what I put in front of you. I want you to use your gifts to build my church for my glory and I'm going to give you that job. And do you know what? For you as well, I think you can do a little bit more. So I'm going to give you an extra gifting, extra strength, extra time to go do that. And that's not for everyone though. But there's some of us who can do that. But what does that mean for us? This is this is a I was, this this sentence came to me this week. I don't think I've read it anywhere else. So I think it is an original quote. But if you read it anywhere else, please tell me. The church can't be the church without the church. Now let me explain that to you. The church. So so we the church right here right now, meeting on a Sunday morning, can't be the church, which is what we're meant to be doing, making disciples, taking the the, the gospel to the world without the church, which is the people, the body of Christ. So if we want to be the church and do what the church is meant to do, we need the people of the church to be there. I've seen a number of places, just even around here in Rocky, there are a number of old church buildings that have been converted into homes. Are they churches anymore? No, they're not. And so if someone, if for some reason... We all had to move out and someone bought this building and converted it into a house. It wouldn't be a church anymore. Now, if we moved out of this building and we went to another place, it could be even a shopping centre, we would still be the church though. So the building doesn't make us the church, the people make it the church. And so there is an importance upon all of us, those present here and not present here, because we become the church that will do the work of the church. Now, when it comes to momentum, you can't sit back and go, the LBA and those who have who've, who've, who've got sort of had their arms twisted a little bit too much, they are able to sort of um, serve. I'm going to sit back and, and cheer from the, from, the, from the back. No, everyone needs to put their hands to the work. Everyone can actually um, help out with the momentum. Um, when we are not present in the life of the church, when we can't add, we can't add our hands to the effort of building godly momentum. When we don't do what's in front of us, there will be a gap in the wall. You imagine that, that, that metaphor a bit. For the, for the people of Judah, as they're building that wall around Jerusalem, if what was done, if people didn't do what was right in front of them, the enemies could have got in. There would have been an open gap and, and again, they would have come in and, and they could have attacked everyone. And so they needed to close the gaps. When instead of following godly vision, when we follow our own vision and the next person is following their own instead of God's, we will actually rob the church of its godly momentum. If we actually go, do you know what? I think we should do this as a church. We should do this. Because I want to do this because this is what I like in church. This is what I like. I like, I like the aircon at this temperature. I like, I like the music at this volume. I like, I like this for morning tea. I like it when the kids are quiet. I like it when this is happening. I don't like church going too long. And, and, and someone else, oh, no, I prefer it this way, this way. And all of a sudden, instead of saying, what does God want for us? 
And asking that question, we fight over what we want and we actually become that parachute on the momentum that God wants for us. We will rob the church of godly momentum if we do that. And so as I wrap up today, I want to talk about protecting our momentum. Um, Nehemiah 4, 16 to 18, it says, From then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves between the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side and the trumpet here stayed with me to sound the alarm. Now, Ben, I, Ben's, Ben's a builder. You imagine having to carry around, like, I'm not sure what weapon would be relevant these days, but, like, um, you have to carry your hammer. Well, I suppose you could use your hammer anyway, but you've got your hammer and nails and then shotgun in this hand so that you can get the work done. Like, um, I suppose your shotgun could actually take down some of the, could demolish some of the work for you. But, um, but the thing is, all of a sudden the people went, we're going to protect the momentum that we have. The wall is halfway. We want to keep on going. The enemies out there want to attack us. It's going to be a little bit harder, but we're going to protect the momentum that we've got. And so in that, you've got to make intentional decisions. And what I mean by that is like when I talked earlier about to start momentum, you need to take that first step. It's got to be an intentional thing. It's got to be something that, okay, God wants us to do this. And so sometimes that might start with prayer. Okay, God, what do you want to do in my life? What have I got to get momentum going in my life? God, what do we want to do in the church and get momentum happening? Where do we need to sort of pick up again? What things have we, have we left behind that we may need to redo? What things do we need to drop that are a weight on the momentum that we have for the God? Let's make that intentional decision. We need to build good habits. Again, good habits actually will help with momentum because all of a sudden you actually program your spiritual life, your physical life, your mental life around a certain things. And so on the days that you don't feel like doing it, you do it anyway. You don't take a step backwards. You may sort of hold your ground, but you don't go backwards. And that becomes a really important thing because, you know what, there are days when I don't feel like being a parent. And there, and usually it starts with any day, any day started with ending with why. But anyway... Um, but the thing is that some days you don't feel like doing something. You don't feel like going to work. You don't feel like sort of getting up and going to the gym. You don't feel like reading your Bible. But I will tell you, those days that you say, you know, in spite of the way I feel, I'm going to keep doing this because it is a good habit to be in my life, it'll actually reinforces that into your life. And so we need to make intentional decisions and build good habits. We need to be willing to change. This becomes one of the things that can really affect momentum because sometimes we are so set in our personal ways or our ways as a church that we don't want to change anything and that becomes a brick wall to momentum. And we all of a sudden we stop instead of doing that. Oh, well, people who come to this church, they just have to like what we like. They just have to be like us. They, they, just, they, they can't sort of, like, their kids just have to be quiet. We could have a whole lot of different things that we sort of say, we're not willing to change what we want so that we can reach out to those people. The thing is, our church has made some significant changes in the last couple of years. This year, at the start of this year, we started bringing Sunday school during church. We've had to make changes to We made intentional decisions to see that happen. We've got four Sunday school teachers. We've got junior volunteers. 
And all of a sudden, it's been a ministry to our children and, and a development for our leaders as well. Online church was a, a, an intentional change, not, not something that if we didn't do something, I would have been here each Sunday and I'd be wondering where everyone was. I might have preached a little bit shorter if it was just me, but I don't know. But the thing is, we may have to make an intentional change and, and to, to see that happen. So what changes do you or the church need to make to continue to move with God? And another way we need to protect our momentum is that we need to look to support and encourage one another to bear each other's load. I think that's the thing is, in the West, we are still too individualistic. It's all about me and my walk with God and sometimes we've got to focus on the we and the us more than me and mine. And in doing that, all of a sudden, we help them succeed. And as they succeed, we succeed. As they go forward, we go forward. And sometimes we need to put effort into that deliberate and intentional encouragement and support of of those around us. So as I wrap up, sometimes the only difference between winning and losing is momentum. You see that in sporting games. You can see momentum change with a, a try scored or a, or a stoppage happen and all of a sudden, or a penalty is called and momentum is broken. And so the thing is, it's so important for us to, to rebuild our momentum as a church. Before we shut up, before COVID, we, we had um, a number of families who aren't attending presently um, for different things. And so maybe as a church, we need to be saying, hey, we want to see you at church. We want you to be moving with us. We had people that were searching out their faith and we need to be praying for them so that they come back and, uh, again, build those good habits and, and things in their life. And it becomes important for us as we, um, as we continue to move as God wants us to, that we pick up speed as we're moving in that right direction. Uh, we're going to finish up with a song um, called um, We Want to See Jesus Lifted High. And in that song, step by step, we're moving forward. It's talking about momentum. Godly momentum. We want to be taking a single step followed by a single step and we want to be doing that together and we want to see Jesus lifted high. And so I really want you to to think about how God is wanting you to move and how God is wanting us to move and how you can be a part of that. And and so that takes time in prayer. That takes time in in conversation to see how God wants you to be used. Let's just uh, close in prayer this morning. Lord, I thank you that you never stop working in our world. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to move effectively. I pray that as we face trials, we would, we would intentionally move through them with your strength and power, that we would do so together, that we'd seek to overcome and to, um, to build up that speed and that effectiveness as being your church. I pray that you would, you would help us to be the church that does what the church is meant to do because of the people of the church. I pray that um, you would enable us to, to move in, in your will, that we would know it and that we would choose to follow it. And Lord, I, I pray that as we move as a church, people would come to know you. I, I pray this week that you would help us to see what is right in front of us, that you call us to do, that we would serve you in that way and where, where you see it fit, Lord, that you would extend us to, to help those next to us as well. We pray this in your name. Amen.